This is Parenting for the Everyday. I'm Becca Alvarez. And I'm Holly Dyke Andrew. We are two moms currently down in the trenches of parenthood. We want to create a community of support and encouragement as we set out to find the answers to the parenting questions that everyone is asking. From the easy stuff to the hard stuff, we want to talk about it all. Hello and welcome. Today's topic is how to have hard conversations with your kids. And in studio, we have Jamie and Carolyn Hewitt. So, Jamie, Carolyn, tell us who you are and what you do. Uh, I'm Carolyn. I am a wife and a mother, and I am also a teacher. So I've been teaching for 13 years, 11 years as a kindergarten teacher, and before that, you. Um, middle school, actually, for two years. Oh, bless so, you more. I know. So I, I actually love middle schoolers, too, but I've been doing kindergarten, and um, yeah, it's great. I just finished my school year. Summer mode. Uh, I'm Jamie. I have been on staff here at Christ Community Chapel for the past three years, but was involved in student ministry for 10 years vocationally before that, was a volunteer in student ministry before that. So really, since I've graduated high school, I've never gotten away from students. I've been around kids since I was a kid. So that's a little (laughs) bit about me. Are you just doing the Peter Pan syndrome of just like, let's just keep pushing it? Yeah, no, I'm not ready in. to let go. Never. Um, well, we're talking about hard conversations, which can be very general. So let's define what is a hard conversation? What are we trying to get to today? Yeah, I think when I think about hard conversations, I think sometimes they are hard because the topic is objectively hard. You're discussing something, you need to talk about something that is is just really challenging. Uh, I think one of the things we might end up talking about is uh, the world is not meant to be that way. And so some things are just, they just are hard. And I think sometimes we have hard conversations or conversations feel hard because they're subjectively hard, because they are hard for us personally. I think that there's maybe a couple of ways that we add hardness to some of those conversations. I think sometimes it's because we're not sure that we have our own answer. And so a conversation might feel hard to you or I as a parent because we're not really sure how we would answer that for ourselves when it's presented to us, when a question is asked of us. Uh, Or another possible way that a conversation or a topic could feel subjectively hard is when you know the answer, but you also know that you're not really living that out in your life. And so I think sometimes conversations just are hard because the world that we live in is not the way that it was designed to be. And then sometimes we can have those conversations actually feel even harder than they need to be because we really haven't put in the work to know how we would, how we would make sense of that brokenness in the world. And sometimes we are choosing to live different than that. So I think sometimes that's why conversations can feel hard. I would assume, too, a conversation can feel hard if it's a disciplinary conversation, if something has happened and now you're reacting to it. Uh, So tell us, why is it even important to begin down this path of hard conversations? Why is it important to start having hard conversations? And when do you start having those? You mean you shouldn't just sweep everything under the rug and just, <laughs> right. just pretend it's all great yeah, all right. the time. Right. Well, when Jamie and I were talking about this, like I think one of the things that we thought about was if we are always having conver- conversations with our children and always you know, facilitating an open space, I think that relieves this pressure of this is a hard conversation. And so if we're always facilitating an open 
you know, two-way conversation, I think that that relieves the pressure. Like Jamie was saying, we add hardness to conversations when we come in with our own baggage. So I think, you know, if we are continually talking to our kids, I don't know if that makes sense. Like it's cyclical. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense. And that's actually a lot of the advice that we give when we're educating on sex education is that if you're always talking about Mm -hmm. your body and the biological parts of your body, even from a very young age, those conversations then can kind of graduate as developmental stages graduate. And and you really avoid that, okay, now it's time to have the talk and all the anxiety that's risen from that because you've always had the talk. It's just like changed. the stigma's gone. Yeah. Right. The stigma's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you maybe even have raised, you've over-elevated it by waiting so long right. to talk about it. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I even think about in a sermon recently at Christ Community Chapel, we were talking about how with a neighbor, you can, if you haven't ever met them, you can, and you feel this pressure because you haven't done that. And so you just delay and delay and delay. And then all of a sudden that doesn't get any easier to end up walking over and knocking on the door and introducing yourself. It actually feels harder. And so I feel like in some ways with these conversations, we can uh, feel that they're hard and then we can delay them. And what we actually end up doing is making them feel even harder because uh, we've waited to have them. But, and it gets bigger, bigger and bigger. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of brings up the question of do you just let these conversations naturally happen? Uh, Seems like some of them would, but then there also feels like there might be topics that you Mm -hmm. need to bring forth to your kids and talk. So Mm -hmm. what's the balance between uh, having something planned and ready to talk and just go ahead and improvising based on your kids, their ages, and what's going on around them? Yeah, I think, I mean, even dovetailing this into the last question, which is why it's important to have them. I think one of the reasons it's so important to not shy away from hard conversations is we are preparing our kids for life. Uh, I think, you know, discipleship, part of parenting is discipleship, and discipleship is inherently a practical and earthy thing. Uh, Discipleship is not an abstract intellectual thing, so discipleship happens as you're showing people how to live. And so uh, as you're having these hard conversations, you're really helping your kids apply the gospel, apply trusting God in their life in a very practical way. That's that's like discipling them. I think you are helping them learn. You know, I think a lot of things that are hard are they stem from ways that the world is disappointing and living in a broken world is is full of disappointment. And so our kids are they're going to face disappointment, and we can't shield them from that. And actually, one of the best things that we can do to help prepare them is to help them learn to navigate and walk through disappointments. Uh, And then the last thing I was thinking of is actually just uh, that it is the worst danger that somebody can be in is being in danger and not know it. And so I think that when we are choosing to have and step towards these hard conversations with our kids, we are preparing them to face uh, topics that are just really hard to think through and that they're going to face it someday in their life. And so helping them, you know, confront questions that can be dangerous to our faith if unchecked. So. I mean, I think, I think it's, it's, I guess a summary, it's both. Like, I think like we had a, 
we had a hard conversation recently with our kids and there was a lot of prep going into it. We were talking to them about switching schools. And so there was weeks, months of prayer, conversation, asking advice, having, inviting friends to pray alongside us. And it was really intentional. We're going to sit down. This is what we're, you know, we're going to have this conversation, thought about the follow-up, but then also it's being available. And that is something that I feel like Jamie and I are learning in this season of like, I need to be more available for our for those organic conversations that come up. You know, when, you know, our daughter is crying about something, do I have the bandwidth to sit down and have that hard conversation, you know, right, you know, then and there. So I think it's it's both. I think you plan, but then also, you know, we have to be available. Yeah. I think there's if we're trying to prepare our kids, there is an intentional there's an intentionality that's necessary. So I don't think you can always wait for those conversations to come to you. Uh, you should be thinking and preparing for them and be ready for when one comes your way that you weren't expecting as best as you possibly can. And I feel like you talk about how, like, why it's so important that we know what we believe. Like, we need to know what it says in Scripture, and we need to know what we believe so that we're ready. And I think that's what adds to the fear of what you were saying earlier. We don't always know where we're at, and so we're so afraid to talk to people about it. And so that's why it's so important. Like, we need to be in the Word. We need to know what, you know, God's Word says to us about these topics so that we're ready. Yeah. And Carolyn, thanks for adding in kind of an example of a hard conversation. I know that we're using those two words quite a bit, um, but I just want to throw out some examples of what hard conversations can be. Like in my life, we will someday be going through a move with our toddler, and I can imagine a hard conversation is going to be talking to him about not living with Gigi and Papa anymore and what that mm-hmm. looks like and what that will do to his little attachment that Shatter is it. so, so mm-hmm. strong with them. But like you were saying, I can see that being a hard conversation, but one that we'll, we will go into prepared and ready for. Um, also having kids that are of age to know what shots are and when you have a doctor's appointment coming up and what that conversation can look like. I know there are lots and lots of books that are out there too that can help prepare. At least I'm thinking more in the younger side of kids just because that's the season I'm in. But we have books about moving. We have books about shots. We have books about different things that I know can be a challenge and trying to prepare us as parents, but then also Ezekiel for for him, a very challenging day is going to be a day when he has shots or he has Yeah, I mean, it can, there's such a huge, like, spectrum. You yeah. know, I have a 13-year-old, and we just had a conversation this week about a friend who disclosed they were self-harming. Yeah. And that wasn't something that we had, like, prepared to go into. And so there's some conversations you know are coming. You know, yeah. the birds and the bees. You know that one is coming. And then there's other conversations um, that just kind of come up. And so that's really the heart of this is to how to prepare your heart and your mindset um, to be able to do those with intentionality. Yeah, and I think uh, for us, some of the things that we've experienced is really trying to foster our kids' natural curiosity. When your yeah. kids are young, they're almost they're wired to be curious about the world. And I think as parents, we can actually, this is something that Carolyn does really well. When all of our kids were little, one of the things that she would pray for almost every night was pray for our kids to be uh, curious towards Jesus, uh, that, they, that. that they would long to know more. And so I think kids are naturally curious. They are going to ask questions. And so as parents, even when they are young, uh, learning to, I don't know, treasure those yeah. moments. Yeah. And sometimes when those questions are hard and you don't know what 
to do with them. I think your natural response as a parent can be to sugarcoat something, to say we're gonna we're not gonna talk about that right now, or things like that. And so for us, like I mean, one of the things that we've tried to really never sugarcoat is talking about you know death with our kids. Mm-hmm. And so from a, a pretty young age, you when our kids ask questions about things like that. We would we would be honest with them, and so when we were you know when we take our kids to go get shots, you know, I think bringing my daughter, and if my daughter asks me, "Is this going to hurt?" and mm-hmm. it's actually I, I say, "This is going to hurt," but <laughs> you know we're we're going to get through this, and this is why this is important, even though it's going to hurt. And so I do think like we are we can f- train ourselves as parents to foster our kids' natural curiosity. That creates an openness and creates a trust. And I think you can begin in really small ways when your kids are small by having hard conversations about shots, having hard conversations about just things that are happening in life. Um, so, yeah, let's dig into that even a little bit deeper because I feel like you're getting to some practical and I want to like lean into that of, okay, so we tell them the truth. You answer the questions honestly, but what are other things that we can do when our kids are really little and maybe the conversations uh, aren't as heavy, like a conversation about shots isn't maybe as heavy as a conversation I'm having with my middle schooler, but what are things and foundations that you can set when they're little to keep those conversations happening in that space open so that they can happen? Yeah, I think- I mean, the first one is trying to create an environment where nothing's ever off limits. So an open space as a parent where, again, when your kid asks a question that you are willing to talk with them about whatever whatever that thing is. So I think beginning that process early is something. Uh, I think that learning to be intentional with our reactions just thinking as that. a parent, it's got to tell my, my face, Shock like, factor, right? okay, keep your face under control. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, we are communicating so much beyond just our words and kids are remarkably intuitive and can, mm-hmm. they, they know what you are, what you are feeling because it comes across in your face. And so learning to, to think about our reactions and maybe even like, I, you know, I think about for, for myself, like, where is that reaction coming from? Usually, you know, a reaction comes from a place where either you're scared about something. And so, uh, you know, you, a parent, you might be scared about not having the answer. And so even what is a show like we are modeling for our kids and being willing to talk about these things, uh, that we're not, it's okay to not have every answer. Mm. And so even, you know, what is your reaction mm-hmm. with your with your kids? Or if your kids, you know, especially as they get older, they maybe say something that you disagree with or that uh, is seems like it's shocking, you know, for you and I to remember that our kids are not able to believe something or do something that we are not capable of believing or doing. And so, uh, like, remembering that, Uh, Because I think one of the things that can get in the way of openness is when we have a mindset of how could you, like with with other people, be that kids or, you know, friends or anything like that. So how do we respond when somebody comes and asks a question, when there's a need for a conversation, I think matters a ton. Mm -hmm. And I I love what you said, like, we are modeling that it's okay not to know. And I think that fear is what affects so many hard conversations as we come in with our baggage of fear and we get to we get to model humility and teachability to our kids when we say you know what I don't know that answer or let's look that up together or let's ask our pastor about that or let's you know if mom or dad isn't home let's go ask your dad like i i feel like we 
we think we have to know, but really we teach them so much more when we model. I don't know. Like, let's figure it out together versus just sitting in this fear of I'm just going to delay these things because I don't know all the answers. I don't know. And what a beautiful thing, too, of leaning into the curiosity of kids. I think that when you hit that question stage, it can feel like there's no way I can answer 100 questions a day and still feel positive about it. (laughs) But I love, and I have not entered that, but I will at some point. And Mm -hmm. um, I watch a kid that is in that stage. And so there are times that I feel that irritation or that annoyance of so many questions. Mm -hmm. But that really changed my mindset of praying for their curiosity and praying for curiosity towards Jesus. And that that will shift my whole... My whole mindset on my good days when right. we enter that stage. Right. When yeah, right. Now, we've talked a lot about like when kids bring questions with their curiosity, but there mm-hmm. are some topics uh, that you want to be the one that has that hard conversation before they have uh, maybe been yeah. exposed to something your curiosity. And so let's kind of unpack that. What about like, how do you know when that time is right? Like, what about the notion where uh, if I talked about this and they don't even know about it, I'm exposing them to this. They had no idea. It's too soon. Uh, can you help us unpack that a little bit? Yeah. Um you know, in our circle this year, we read Mere Christianity, and C.S. Lewis has this part where he talks about theology, and he talks about how, you know, if you don't read up on theology, it's not that you won't have it, you'll just have bad, out-of-date mm-hmm. theology. And so, like, I think about that in the same way with our kids. It's like, the world has answered the questions about sex, about porn, about their bodies, about marriage, everything. And so it's not—it's we have the opportunity— to share with them the truth of what the gospel says about those things before, hopefully, before the world answers it for them. Now, the flip side of the coin of that is it's not too late. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, yes, of course, we all want to have those conversations first with our kids, but we know that we live in a broken world, so that doesn't happen all the time. So it's never too late to have those conversations. But I think early and often, like, you know, we're planning on talking to our rising third grader about all the sex stuff, body stuff this summer. Cause I'm like, I would rather you hear it from me. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I think a simple thought would be also, if you're thinking that you should possibly have the conversation, mm-hmm. chances are you should. Mm-hmm. So if you're starting to ask that question, even just practically, you're like, Oh, you know, should I, should we start thinking about that? The answer is probably yes. Uh, and again, I, I really think oftentimes we underestimate our kids ability to process through hard things. Uh, And so I think kids are able to process through stuff earlier than probably we usually typically think. Uh, And you, you know, I I can only speak for myself, I guess. Usually me delaying it is more about me than necessarily what's best for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think of two on our episode with Jonathan Holmes, uh, we spoke about anxiety and he had a great answer to a similar question of really having that conversation in a dialogue mentality of asking them their thoughts Mm -hmm. on some of these topics. Um, Because then you're really going to be able to gauge what is the information that they're aware of, what is the information they're not, and kind of making that conversation a two-way street. If you haven't tuned into that episode, I highly recommend it. (laughs) Yeah, because at the end of the day, the most important thing that you hope is at the end of this is not necessarily that they figure out any one specific thing, but that they learn to form a worldview that's going to help them navigate all of life. Mm -hmm. Right. And so really your goal in having some of these harder 
conversations is helping them learn to think, learn to process. And that's going to come by, right. you know, maybe if they say, if your kid says something that's, that's not correct, instead of immediately jumping to correct that one individual thing, right. is actually walking them through a road of, tell me, you know, what makes you say that? Where does that come from? Like what's driving your belief there? Uh, because by navigating that process and more, asking more questions, trying to understand where they're coming from, you maybe are going to be in a position to help them see for themselves how that part of their worldview is, is broken and needs to be right. uh, rethought. Right. And and we have to check our motives. Are we walking into these conversations with, I want you to do and believe what I want you to do and believe? Or is our motive, we want them to be what God wants them to be? You know what I mean? Like, it, And I think if, it, if we can make it about ourselves, then we get it's a slippery slope. We get into big trouble there. And checking your motives, I think, is such an important piece. And that leads into our next question of what should the feel of these conversations be? I think motive would would be a big part of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it depends on the kid. You know, um, I think some kids love intentional one-on-one time. Let's go to a coffee shop. Let's, you know, let's go on a date. Um, I I heard really good advice once from my friend who has a teenage son. And she said, driving was the best one-on-one driving because you're not looking straight in the eye, but it's intentional in the car. So I was like, okay, I got to tuck that away in my back pocket for when our son's older. Um, So I think it just, it's, it's trial and error sometimes what works for each kid in each phase. Um, I don't know. What would you add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's this is baked into that, but I think you want it to feel safe in the sense that it doesn't have to start perfect, uh, and it you know it may even not end perfect, but we're gonna figure this out together. And so I think you want to create a space that is safe for for questions, which goes back to the reaction, right? They don't feel safe if when they bring something up. <gasps> You know, yeah, that's actually even yeah. taking it a step further. <laughs> kind of the next question, like leaning into some of your ministry experience and dealing with, um, you know, teenagers or teens or young adults who maybe come in with some hardcore different beliefs or mm. um, are struggling with an issue and they come and it's a topic you don't agree with or the way that they're responding. And so, how do you? still create this, like, let's have an environment where we can talk about it, but also that balance between truth and grace. I, I think that it's really important. I mean, it it is case by case. There's so many, so many things, uh, that might be handled differently in one conversation with one person than a different person, uh, whether it's your kids or otherwise. But I think especially with older kids, in a situation where, you know, like, let's just, for instance, sexuality in, in our world and uh, LGBTQ, things like that, where there, there might be a clear sense where you know where you stand and you know that your kid is wrestling with being in a world that has a very different position than that. I think in that situation, it's, it's often, it's really important that somebody knows where you do stand but then them being able to feel and hear that you are willing to have a conversation with them about it. Uh, I don't think that you, you know, you don't want to sugarcoat or shy away from what you do believe or what truth is, but I think you want to try to convey to somebody, hey, this is, this is where I'm at on this, and I, I think it's important for you to, to know that. Uh, at the same time, I think that this is really hard. Uh, 
And if it wasn't hard, then our world and our culture wouldn't be struggling and wrestling with it uh, as much as it is. And so really, you know, trying to help somebody understand that it's okay to wrestle through something. You don't have to start with the right answers. You don't have to start uh, believing maybe the same thing as me about this, but you know, this, this is where I'm at and, um, you know, would love to process alongside of you and, and hear, you know, why you believe what you believe. And so again, it's going to be very different in that conversation than, than another one. But I do think it's important that somebody, you don't want to hide what you believe from somebody, but you want to convey, uh, to them one way or another that if you disagree that that doesn't change your relationship with them and that mm-hmm. if you disagree, it doesn't diminish De-value. their value as a person in your mm-hmm. eyes. Mm-hmm. Real fast, I do just want to put a, like an encouragement in there too. We're talking a lot about hard conversations. I also want to encourage not every conversation to be hard because I think mm. that kids also pick up on that rhythm that if dad always has hard conversations with me yeah. and we drive everywhere, you know, like wherever that is, they <laughs> will like, the pattern yeah. and yeah. and start to push away from that. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have kids that are that are away from home and coming home and maybe there are some things that you're disagreeing with as a parent that you're mm-hmm. wanting to have those conversations mm-hmm. with them when they're home. Make sure you make room for the fun and the good and the just small talk too because yeah. your kid wants to know that you care about who they are and what they're doing and not just tough conversations too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so in working with teens over the decade, is there any um, missteps that maybe you see from parents or uh, things that you would say, man, if the parent did this, I have seen the fallout from that? Um, you know, I think parenting is the hardest thing to do in the world because there's nothing in the world that you care about more than your kid. And there, and there's a lack of control. And when you couple and tether together things that you care about and love more than anything and that you can't protect and control fully, like that's just, it's, it's so hard. hard. So, you know, I, I am hesitant to throw stones at things that I've seen. I I think that there are a lot of students that are older uh, that struggle a lot more because some of these conversations were avoided. And so, and you know, I can just say that as a parent, I have also seen myself avoid hard conversations because they're hard. I mean, very few of us really love doing things that are hard. And so, you know, I think for parents, uh, the the challenge and the call is to to step up to the plate in many ways to prepare yourself. Because again, one of the reasons that I know I might avoid a conversation is if I really haven't thought about that well. And so I think, you know, I think that parents who don't think about the pressing issues that their kids are going to face and arrive at a place where they could give an answer for themselves about those things are going to really struggle and probably are going to delay or avoid altogether having those conversations with their kids. And I think their kids are going to be at a disadvantage because of that. Uh, And so I think preparing yourself in that way, I think preparing yourself for how you respond, uh, remembering, you know, trying to remember what it's like to be a kid and remembering that you didn't have everything figured out all along. And so that's going to help you, I think, when your kid asks a question that kind of shocks you 
or says something to you that shocks you. So I think you know, preparing the way that you are going to respond when that curveball that you weren't expecting comes your way. Uh, so I think that not doing that can put your kids at a disadvantage later on in life when because those like Carolyn said earlier with reference to the C.S. Lewis quote about theology, it's not that you have no theology, you have bad theology. Like not intentionally addressing some of the harder conversations and topics about the world with our kids does not mean that we are protecting them from that hardship. It just means something else is informing that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that they will be at a disadvantage because the likelihood in our world and culture that they're being informed from a gospel perspective is low. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for sharing your experience and your perspective as both ministry partners and parents. Um, I know that this is, ironically, a tough conversation to have and just really encouraged me to lean into those conversations. Yeah, we're really grateful. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Mm -hmm. This has been Parenting for the Everyday. Tune in next time. 